0: Hello, and welcome to the Global Reinsurance and Insurance Download, or GRID for short. I'm Charlie Thomas. The GRID is a podcast powered by Eames Partnership, in which some of the world's top insurance and reinsurance executives discuss the secrets of their success.
1: In this episode, our focus is on leadership. Words like, you're getting the best out of me, are the sorts of things that leaders always like to hear from their teams.
2: You have to get good at delegation. And and I would say early on, I struggle with that. I
1: like giving people who are new to the business a lot of
0: responsibility and ownership. We ask our panel how easy they find delegation, what methods they use to ensure they receive useful feedback on their management, and what effective leadership means to them. Here's Rachel Conrad, CEO of RSA Luxembourg, to kick us off on the topic of effective leadership. I think um, for me, effective leadership is being easy to follow.
3: Um, I think it matters um, to create simple messages um, and consistency. Uh, I think people that flip flop a lot in management lose their teams,
0: uh, and overcomplicated messages I think make that that, that really challenging for people who follow. Siobhan Bada, CEO of Amory Syndicate, had a similar viewpoint.
4: So to me, leadership really is about inspiration and direction. And the concept of leadership is really about the leader creating a vision for the company and then executing that vision. Often true leadership to me um, is demonstrated really when times are tough and you have to dig in and grit your teeth and carry on and pursue your own agenda relative to other individuals. And I've experienced that in my life. I experienced that when we started Amory. I had a very specific idea about what I wanted to execute and bring to fruition. And I think that is really what leadership is about. It's about understanding where you want to go and being driven to do it.
0: Many of our executives talked about the importance of culture and how effective leaders use that to inspire both their staff and their customers. Here's Steve Arora, Access Re CEO.
5: I think at its highest level, it's the combination of delivering results, but also creating a great experience for people. When I say people, I include your client base, but also um, your colleagues. So performance culture and human culture. And I think if you take just the performance culture aspect, accountability, discipline, an obsession for success, but just generally trying to make an impact and have progress. And then on the other side, you know, creating a great experience for people is all about a human culture. Um, And to me and and to us, it means, you know, how do you define a purpose that people can rally around? How do you create sense of belonging and just a a culture where people feel valued on a day-to-day basis? So I think I would say those are the two things that I value the most and have defined me um, as both an employee and a leader. And then, of course, there are other things. I mean, listening is really important. Adapting is really important. Um, Providing clear direction when it's necessary. And just that general application of rigor and execution to make sure that you push progress.
0: For Vantage CEO Greg Hendrick, Effective leadership is something that has evolved over the past 20 years, moving from a more dictatorial stance to one that empowers teams instead.
2: I've been a big proponent having lived and worked in an environment where the servant leadership model has been the most effective, particularly around the types of firms that you need to run in insurance and reinsurance. That quite simply is a belief that The modern technology-driven world and the younger generation responds much better to a a leadership style that is supportive of everyone and not the typical hierarchical classic pyramid structure where there's a CEO at the top and then layers and layers of people. Um, For me, it's all about how am I being able to unlock the capacity of my team and the capacity of their teams to be able to do greater things, and I think that plays well into the modern era, and particularly around, as I said, the technology and the younger generation.
1: Malone Raja, CEO of Artree, agrees. I think for me, effectiveness is you know manifests in high engagement levels, um, teams that are empowered to make decisions, teams that understand you know, the vision of the company and you know why we're doing what we're doing. Um words like you're getting the best out of me are the sorts of things that leaders always like to hear from their teams. And um and 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 those sorts of things tell you today that you you know you are being effective leading your team and 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 giving them a clear, you know, vision and mandate to to execute on.
0: Collaboration is high on the list for Karen Graves, Inigo COO2 along with the ability to really listen to what your colleagues are telling you?
6: I wish I had something I'd learned to do earlier is to listen more effectively, because I think it's a really important quality. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, I do. I do. Why, why surround yourself with really good people, great talent that you go to the, to the bother of finding that you want to come and work with you on various things? Um, you know, if you surround yourself with good people, um, and you have plans for them and ambitions for them, and you can see qualities about them, why wouldn't you give them that opportunity? But that does link back to being an effective leader um, in that you, you, are there, you are there supporting them uh, and not just passing a buck. Alliance
0: Re's Head of Asia Pacific, Kenrick Law, is also a believer of bolstering support for staff and creating the best possible environment for them to work in. But he also thinks it's important for the leader to instill a culture where it's about the success of the team and not the individual.
7: Throughout my career, I have seen a lot of people focusing entirely on their own career. Um, and um, so they put their own career ahead of the company's interest and, and team's interest and so on. Um, so for me to be a, a good leader, you need to put the company's interest first before your own career goals, actually.
0: Now on to the topic of delegation. While most would agree it's crucial for the success of a company today, delegation doesn't come naturally to everyone. For some, delegation is a joy. Letting experts deliver outcomes using their specialist skill sets frees up their time to strategize in need. But for others, handing over the reins is more challenging. Here's Siobhan Bader again.
4: So delegation is not something that comes easy to me. I'm a massive control freak. I think that's why I'm successful, but I really like to control as much as I can in everything. Delegation is something that I've really had to learn and work on and engage with people in my operation and bring them in. But it's uh, something that I use increasingly as the company grows. And it actually makes my company a lot stronger because I've realized that I can't do everything. I need people to come in and support me. And through that process, I think the company gets built out more effectively and we achieve more.
0: Uh Treesman Moon Raja also admits he's not a
1: natural delegator. And I think most leaders uh, I know are in the same boat if we're all being very honest about it. Um, because really, you know, what got us here is generally is tangible successes. You know, you're on the front lines, you're taking charge, you're carrying your team forward, you're achieving success. It's action orientated. And what got us here is, is not necessarily what's needed of us. You know, now that we're here, we need to find ways to pass that torch. And for me, it took me, it took me a while to grow out of that, if you will, and understand sort of the sports analogy that says, you know, the coach stays on the sidelines, no matter how much you want to take that shot, you have to stay on the sidelines and just help enable your team help serve your team in the best way that you can, but you can't step on the court.
0: Mamoon went on to talk about how, as a leader, your primary job is to serve your team. Rather than setting mandates, your role is to design the company's future and set the course of how to get there.
1: But you're not... You don't have the monopoly on that architecture. You're part of you're, you're a voice in the room, and you open yourself to many democratic voices in the room. And it, it took me a while. I think I learned over time to actually, and I've said this before to my team, I actually enjoy more the successes that the team achieves without my involvement. And that was an evolution for me. I, it, it, it took me a while to enjoy those more than those uh, achievements where I felt like I carried the ball.
0: Returning to his theme of servant leadership, Vantage's Greg Hendrick notes that for him, delegation is essential, not only to generate success in today's company, but to help bring forward the leaders of tomorrow.
2: Personally, it was something I struggled with. Um, my, my advice to everybody is, uh, as you start to make a progression from an individual performer to a leader, uh, you have to get good at delegation. And, and I would say early on, I struggled with that. You, I think you, most of us that do well in their careers uh, fall into that natural category of, no one can do it better than I can do it, and it's only gonna slow me down to explain it to, to somebody else. But the reality is you learn quickly, that's not a healthy way to do it, both for yourself and your team, and that delegation and, and good delegation is a must.
0: For Steve Aurora, it's about not getting bogged down in the weeds and allowing your internal experts to shine in their chosen disciplines.
5: I think on certain topics, um, I consider myself to be very empowering. So on a lot of the highly technical subjects, the strong um, operational topics, absolutely yes. I mean, I think it really requires having the right people, um, having the processes in place to know that you have rigor and discipline, you have the right controls, et cetera. But obviously, you know, empowering people to do their job um, in a very detailed way, um, I'm very comfortable with that. I think when it comes to the aspects of the big picture, the strategy, the way we communicate, our culture, our market positioning, I tend to be more hands-on. And um, maybe that's a function of where my skills and interests lie, but also what is important um, in my role. And um, I don't think too much high level management is a good thing, but equally, you know, there's no intention nor do I perceive myself as a a micromanager. So it's a judgment call. And I think it's about balancing. When do you elevate yourself and add value to the whole organization? But when do you need to drive things? Um, And I don't think either extreme of being too hands-on or kind of too high level is the right one. You got to pick your topics um, and, you know, just make sure that everybody understands the way you operate.
0: Rachel Conran at RSA Luxembourg was one of the few who found delegation relatively easy.
3: Yeah, I like delegating. I've worked over my career with a lot of um, young people and I like giving, you know, people who are new to the business a lot of responsibility um, and ownership. I think over the years I've got better at delegating, which I've realised that, you know, when you delegate, it's very important to understand that the the person who, who is being delegated to actually understands the mission otherwise they, they waste a lot of time and that can be quite frustrating but I very much like seeing people grow and I, I you know I think part of how I lead teams is is I work with a lot of very
0: competent people who get very big projects Inigo COO Karen graves was similarly effusive on the topic of delegation
6: in, in my view I just think it's a it's a very powerful and positive thing to do and you know you've get great people in let them do things for you and work with you and and take the business forward so yeah i love delegating
0: for kenrick laura allianz re the key driver of successful delegation is to truly trust those you are delegating to
7: the more important thing is um trust um which i found even more important as a leader because um you can delegate whatever you want but if you don't trust your your team and ultimately you still have to come back and, and and check and 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 um you know, checking on everything. So, um, to me, trust is even more important than uh, delegating your tasks.
0: Finally, we wanted to understand how the leaders of today's insurance and reinsurance companies seek and obtain feedback. Here's Mamoon Raja again.
1: We do periodically some more formal 360 type evaluations for all of our leaders, but I think nothing beats that constant feedback that you get daily from from speaking to your team and. And our team is very open. We, we're very open with one another and, and they're not shy from calling each other out. And, and I'm no exception to that. Um, and I think that's healthy. And, and if you engender that in your team, you benefit daily from those uh, from those food feedback loops and, and the appreciation that, um, you know, again, you're a democratic. People have a democratic voice around you. Uh, you're one of those voices. And, and, and having that framework, I think, trumps it all.
0: RSA's Rachel Conran favours getting feedback from a variety of sources too.
3: You know, I think one of the the closest people to me is my executive assistant. Um, She she really gave me some very good feedback during COVID that she'd noticed we were doing a lot of comms on people exiting, but not a lot of comms on people joining, or at least more on the exits than on the joiners. And of course, people realised that You know, they know the people who are leaving, but they haven't actually physically met the people who are joining. And that gave a little bit of a sense of of the team shrinking rather than growing, which actually wasn't true. Um, I get a lot of feedback on the quants. I've built a a mathematical quant function in the company. um, And, you know, I'm 49 years old, so my mathematics is a little rusty. So so they're continually sharpening and, and correcting that focus that I get wrong. Um, and within my management team and across Europe, um, I, I solicit broad feedback um, and I, I think companies are effective when they, they're they listening to their people and they're, they're putting that strategy back in. It's much easier to accept strategy if you've been part of the process of building it. So um, I, I find feedback a very important loop of, of being successfully designing things.
0: For others, feedback is best sought closer to home. Amri Syndicate CEO Siobhan Bader credits her husband, who also happens to be the CEO at the syndicate, for being her sounding board.
4: I really trust his counsel and advice, and I think that that is special. We work as a team, so we have complementary strengths. I trust his advice. I think that that's often very important because he gives me really generally unbiased advice. And that helps me in terms of my ability to lead. It also helps in terms of our strategic direction within the company, because we work for ourselves and we work all the time. But uh, it's very unique that you can actually have somebody as a sounding board and then continue to use that advice and continue to grow and build within the company dynamic.
0: Axis Steve-Aurora spoke about the importance of recognising as a leader when you don't ask for feedback.
5: I think it's an art to know when not to ask for feedback because you need to at times have conviction in what you're doing. And leadership doesn't always come with 100% approval rating and it can be tough uh, to drive things that are unpopular.
0: He also spoke about the value of reverse mentoring.
5: I don't think it's uh, necessarily a new concept for everyone, but it's something that I've gotten value from. So, um, so for example, I, you know, have a colleague, we chat once a month and we talk about what's on, um, you know, uh, what are the challenges or opportunities that we're facing and we're able in a safe environment to ask. Now it requires you to be vulnerable. It's uncomfortable in the beginning, but um I think the perspective is really helpful. So I'm mentoring someone, that's more of a classic environment where I'm more senior and you know I'm providing tips and guidance, et cetera, and asking questions. But it's the other way around where that colleague in the in in the organization is you know perceived to be more junior. But Has a completely different perspective maybe than I do on some of the actions that I'm driving, the way I'm communicating, um, and and just some general advice. And I think we both get a lot of value out of the situation. And, you know, it's something that I would encourage everyone to consider. And it's different. Um, again, it requires a little bit of courage on both sides. Obviously requires some confidentiality and trust, but I think with the right people, uh, there's more benefit than cost.
0: Inigo's Karen Graves also feels that receiving meaningful feedback made her better at giving it to others. You
6: know it took me a long time to get to that point to feel comfortable about taking feedback Um, but it's also made me um, a much better giver of feedback I think as well Um, and and how you give that feedback um, from a leadership perspective. Again you know it doesn't matter how big your team is, where you are in a company, how you give feedback to people. Um, It's one that. You know, it's, it's an important message to give. And it's always, I think, while you might have certain messages to give, it has to be done in a way that is entirely open and straightforward, but also supportive to help people um, and your colleagues sort of take the next step in their career path or, or whatever it might be.
0: Vantages' Greg Hendrick, meanwhile, has a three-pronged approach when it comes to feedback.
2: My my mechanisms kind of come in three parts one is with my team, and we're getting together. Uh, sorry, post COVID, we'll be getting together on a regular basis. You know, once a month, live to be able to have conversations. Both those that are formal and structured in the meeting room, and those that are informal, and, and, and getting feedback that way. I, I maintain a cadence of a weekly call with all of all the team members, and you know, it's always well, how can I help? What can I do? What can I do better to to, to make you more successful? And um, then I think the, the the third piece of it is is around always very difficult, particularly as you rise uh, in the organization, it gets harder and harder to get candid feedback from the remainder of your colleagues that aren't in direct contact with you day to day. So we use a lot of mechanisms, uh, pulse surveys. Uh, I do uh, kind of a regular cadence once or twice a month of meeting with six or seven randomly selected folks and just having an open conversation. And then we maintain a monthly, uh, sorry, a monthly, a weekly uh, call for all all colleagues to, to offer that opportunity as well. And so while those, that last group isn't necessarily just about feedback for me as a leader, obviously you can get some great I- information and feedback on on how everyone's feeling about the organization as a whole, which obviously reflects on your leadership.
0: Alliance Rees-Kenrick Law also references the challenge of getting staff in Singapore to feel comfortable with providing honest feedback, particularly given the ingrained respect for hierarchy.
7: So every time um, after I finish my performance review with my staff and then I ask them, so can you give me some feedback? Um, what do you think about my performance? And everybody was saying, oh, no, everything's going well. And uh, I'm not sure how much is relating back to the culture and, and being an Asian, um, being an Asian country and also being an Asian. Um, um, the staff, they normally don't want to give you so much feedback. Um, they try to avoid that topic, avoid conflicts and uh, avoid feedback like that. Um, so for me, it, I, I keep on insisting that it, it really took me about two or three years before I got some decent feedback from my team. Um, and uh, they finally open up uh, to say a few words. So for me, uh, engaging and connecting with your staff, both in a formal and informal way, I think that would help because that is needed to build the trust between the team leader and and, and the staff so that uh, the staff would be able to open up and give feedback, basically.
0: Obtaining that feedback as a startup especially when most, if not all, of the team have never met in person due to COVID-19 restrictions, adds another challenge. Here's Greg Hendrick again.
2: So we started, we launched in October. Uh, I still haven't met my general counsel live, so th- th- I had my first live meeting with our head of ops and tech uh, yesterday for lunch. So there is definitely a, a challenge here that we are very cognizant of. It is harder to, to get that feedback But those smaller groups are what I think unlock a lot of it. When you can get, you know, I think the all hands are important so that everyone hears the big themes in in, in one fell swoop together the same way. But then as you try to get deeper feedback, you're more drilling into smaller groups. um, And that's helped.
0: That's all we've got time for on today's episode. My thanks to all of our participants today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. In our next episode, we consider how to win the war for talent while ensuring you retain your top performers. Thanks for listening.